I'm going to read a text and pray, and then we will dig in. If you'll stand with me for the reading, our reading this morning, you got it, you got it, pun intended. Uh, Our reading this morning is from the Gospels, and so when we read the Gospels, we stand um, in acknowledgement of the Gospels and Jesus continuing to come towards us. And so we're in Matthew 13, I'm going to read 1 through 9, jump to 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when the trouble or persecution arise on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing." But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, You can be seated. Let's pray. God, you're among us, you're with us. Help us to be more aware of that. As your word says in this very passage, give us ears to understand Give us eyes to see you in new ways this morning. Give us open hearts and open hands and open minds. Help for a moment us to pause all the distractions running across our minds and be attentive to what it is your spirit would do in us. I pray that there would be less of me in this moment and more of you as the mystery of your word is continually revealed to us in its good time. Would you do all this in the name of your son, Jesus? Amen. All right, you can help me out with this equation here. Good seed plus good soil equals good fruit. Somewhere in there, there's a plant from first service, I'm sure. Good seed and good soil yield good fruit. This is a basic formula that pretty much any person who grows anything would agree with. Now, of course, there are the factors of sun and rain and environment, generally speaking, but the basic principles of good seed and good soil producing good fruit remain. And this has been true for at least thousands of years because Jesus is telling a story thousands of years ago that connected with his audience. And it took them deeper into this thought as it related to their lives, and it will help us understand something about our lives. In the gospel text, we find Jesus with his disciples and a crowd using something they would understand about the physical world, this relationship between sower, soil, and seed, as an invitation to look at their spiritual or interior lives. 
And what we find in the parable and in its explanation is that Jesus is inviting his disciples, the crowd, anyone with ears to listen and consider the conditions, consider the soil of our hearts and the role that we play in bearing fruit in our lives and the world around us. So the big idea this morning then is this, that Jesus invites us to see God as the sower of a generative seed into the soil of our hearts. Jesus invites us to see God as the sower of a generative seed into the soil of our hearts. Said more simply, God wants to plant something in our lives to transform us and the world around us. God plants transformation in us. We're going to dig around in this story to unpack it. The first several verses are just the parable, the story that Jesus tells. It's important to note that Jesus is using parables or these short stories for a very specific purpose. There's a little portion of scripture between where I jumped that we didn't read. You can go back and read it. And it's an explanation. It's a conversation with the disciples in which Jesus tells them why he's using parables. He says it's to reveal the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And this is important. Because in other words, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. He's revealing to them and to us the very nature of God. He's peeling back the curtains and he's saying there is a sower who's sowing seed. There's a sower who's sowing seed. And that seems simple, and it is. But there's a massive reality underneath that for us to understand. To understand the very nature of God, the very character of God is one who opens Scripture as a creator, who calls forth good and beautiful creation and keeps on creating. You see, friends, God didn't just create in the beginning, set the world in motion, and then just leave it all to itself. And so in this simple phrase that God, a farmer, a sower, went out to sow seed, Jesus is letting anyone who has ears to hear and to know that God is still intimately involved in the shaping of the world that God has created. And that God intends to continue shaping the world by placing God's word, God's seed, in us for the renewal of us and the renewal of all creation. And this is incredibly good news. The sower is still sowing seed. The kind of seed matters as well. You see, God is sowing a generative seed in you, which means it's a seed that has the ability to produce new life. That's good news. Friends, I don't know about you, but often, daily, maybe hourly, I find myself lacking hope. I find myself overwhelmed by the news around me. Or sometimes just looking around my own home or my own interior life. It feels bleak. And so if you're in that place or that's a part of what comes with you this morning, then I just want to remind you that God is a gracious sower. That God has created you in the image of God and God is willing and able to plant in you that which has the ability to transform you and the world around you 30, 60, 100 fold. You see, God has not forgotten. God has not fallen asleep. God is actively participating in the renewal of us and the world and does so by going out, by coming to us and sowing seed. This is good news. 
In his coming, Jesus initiated a new reality, something truer than truth, that everything broken, everything missing, everything sad is becoming untrue, and the world is being restored, and the world is being renewed, and God is planting that seed in us so that can happen around us. And friends, that is good news. It's important that we understand God's heart in this. It's important that we understand God's desire and ability to sow something in us that will bear fruit because it's from that posture that we see God as a gracious sower and generative seed as the life-changing force that we need in us and in our world that we're then led into the meaning of the parable by which Jesus ultimately asks us to look at the condition of our hearts to look at the condition of our hearts. This morning, friends, as best as you can, I'd love for you just to enter a posture of examination this morning. Just we're taking a moment, we're taking a breath to live into the understanding of how the Spirit can work in us. And one of the ways that happens is in partnership with the Holy Spirit in examining our own lives, asking questions, being curious about what's going on in and around us so we can identify the places we need to ask for God's help. So when we look at this passage, we see four types of soil, really four postures of the heart. And my prayer is that you'll have that outlook of examination. Because the reality is any of us can have any of these kinds of soil going on in our heart at any given time. And sometimes more than one at a time. And so more than seeking to condemn more than seeking to judge, I want you to hear Jesus graciously inviting us just to look and locate and see where you are and the places you might invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit to partner with you. So the first type of soil or heart posture is path soil. And path soil is being trampled or compacted by life in such a way it's taken away by the evil one. The seed is taken away. This kind of soil is a hard heart. Now, if you know anything about soil, it's not naturally this way. If you cut open a fresh bag of black gold and put your hand in there and feel that moisture and that goodness and those nutrients, you understand that that is not hard soil. And if it is, take it back to Ace or wherever you got it. But you see, soil comes this way because it's impacted by the environment or conditions around it. Now, in my research on Al Gore's internet, I found that at the time Jesus said these things, what he's actually describing are the areas around the edges of the field where the, the farmer may walk or where other people may walk distributing seed and others pass by. So these paths are created. To give you an idea of what it looks like, here's some, some art. And so there's a, a, a sower there, and he's just sort of like doing this one, like just throwing stuff out, terribly inefficient, like John Deere would never. What is going on? And so it's not that the soil has chosen to be hard. It's not that the soil somehow lacks something. It's simply that it's been impacted by the environment in which it exists. And so if you look at your life, maybe areas of, there are areas of your heart that are hardened because things you've experienced, things that have been done to you, perhaps. Maybe there's deep pain that's been in your life, and maybe in some ways you came in this morning that your heart has felt trampled or stamped down in such a way that it just 
it just generally feels hard. And I just want to say that's okay. You hear the words of the gospel, you hear the good news, and it, it just doesn't sound like good news. And the conditions of a heart like that are that the evil one, other voices can quickly come and snatch away the good seed God's attempting to sow in your life. If that resonates with you, or if the Holy Spirit's prompting you there, then I would invite you over the course of this week to ask God where it hurts. Where does it hurt? Where is that hardness so that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can begin to soften that ground again and healing those wounds and showing you those areas? I've seen this in my own life, my own heart and story. As the great sheologian T. Swift would say, it's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Friends, there are things that have happened in my life, things I've experienced, things I've been proximate to that have hardened parts of my heart, and I need to continually partner with God for healing. That's a lifelong work. And I need to ask God for help from the Holy Spirit, and I also need therapy, and I also need medication, and I also need spiritual direction, and I also need good community I need all of these things because the reality of my soil and your soil is it cannot change itself. It cannot become unhard on its own just as it didn't become hard on its own. The second kind of soil or heart described is rocky soil. Rocky soil has some soil, but not enough to establish roots. So it's lacking in depth. So similar to path soil, rocky soil has also been impacted by the environment. The soil itself is, again, not just naturally rocky, yet in this area of the ground, in a sense of there's been a joining together of that which has the potential to produce life, to receive seed and grow it, and that which is preventing the depth. Now this is the posture of a person who perhaps is distracted by the ways in which they've been formed by the culture or world around them. They may even be unaware of this, probably unaware. This is the type of person maybe who, in the cultural sense, is a Christian, right? Like we, uh, let's acknowledge we all live in the South. Church is a thing we do around 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, right? Maybe our grandparents or our parents nurtured us in a faith and initiated something in us, but the faith never became our own. It was inherited And so when the parts of Jesus' teachings that ask us to do something hard or give something up or suffer or die, we sort of move away from that. With self-denial, this kingdom mindset of self-sacrifice, we haven't embraced it for ourselves. When things don't go the way we think they should be going, we head the other way. Or the seed just burns up. If this sounds like your experience, again, when you're just listening to the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to examine the areas of your life where these rocks are preventing you from having the depth of soil needed to journey with Jesus over a long period of time. This is a very long journey, and it's not just a journey when things are going well. So ask the Holy Spirit to show you where those rocks are 
and to help you remove them from your life. And again, there's parts of me that identify deeply with this soil. So there's a part of my story that like is a quick conversation, right? The elevator pitch. When I, in 2012, I spent 40 days and 40 nights praying, asking God to allow me to dream. I dreamt. I saw this vision for a school. I started a school. We've been doing this for about nine years, all kinds of miracles, live in this under-resourced neighborhood. And I say this to people, and they're like, wow, so great. And the lesser told part of the story is that I became familiar with this neighborhood years before when I dropped out of Bible college, followed God to the margins to be an urban missionary, and was all about it for a year. And then the, the distress and the heartache and the hardship of that kind of life caused me to run the other way as quickly as possible. And so I went to live many, many miles away Worked in a big, nice office tower, built a house, drove my car into my garage, and did not speak to neighbors for four years. So this pattern I recognize in my own life. In my best Enneagram One self, I'm a reformer, justice-oriented, let's-go-get-it, zeal kind of guy. And that joy and that zeal quickly turned to disillusionment, doubt, and burnout. Because there are parts of me that lack the depth to collaborate with God's spirit. And this will happen. This will happen over and over again in our lives without examining them. And even if we examine them. In some ways, I imagine Jesus is just giving us language to understand where we find ourselves. So that we can make our way back. So that we can see Jesus coming. The third kind of soil or heart posture is thorny soil. Now, thorny soil is crowded soil that chokes out the life of the plants. Is there anyone in here who would say their life doesn't feel crowded? Teach me your ways. Now, this type of heart posture, this soil is one that, again, it has the soil needed for fruitfulness, but there's so many other entanglements and attachments that choke out the life from growing up. The passage says wealth and worry about the ways of the world, and perhaps it's those things for you. Perhaps for others, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's sin. Perhaps it's just good things in your life but they lack compatibility with the type of fruit that God ultimately wants to bear in your life. Thorny soil you could describe as defensive, self-preserving. And the kind of fruit God intends to bear in us is the fruit of the Spirit. It's kingdom fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we learn throughout Scripture, these are the ingredients of the life God wants us to live in utter dependence upon God. And so Jesus, I believe, is saying here, if your concern is temporary things, the deceitfulness of wealth, you can't bear the kind of fruit that's eternal and abundant. It's just not possible. The conditions don't exist. The kind of seed Jesus is sowing in us will be choked out by the presence of those desires and our pursuit of them. And so maybe the Holy Spirit here is showing you areas in which you've sought your own safety, your own comfort, your own 
desires. If this type of soil resonates with you, and again, ask the Holy Spirit to show you those areas and root them out so that only good soil remains. I imagine many of us are in places like this. These parts of our heart are readily accessible to us because over the last couple of years, we've experienced some things. We've had a global pandemic. We've had a lot of racial tension. We've had war. We're having war. There's political divisiveness. There's tribalism. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe just the word uncertainty might be ringing around in your head and your heart. And so many times over the last couple of years, you've probably confronted some sort of coping strategy or thing in your life that you are clinging on to. And perhaps you've experienced loss or grief around areas of your life that you didn't even realize were attachments for you. Like, I didn't, God, I didn't know that relationship was going to do, when it ended, was going to do this to me. I really liked that job. Could you not have taken that? Or I really prefer when uh, my bank account opens in Face ID and there's a larger number than what's there right now, God. (laughs) My prayer for all of us is that we would see a good and gracious God revealing those areas to us so that we can be more like the fourth type of soil. Just good soil. Good soil. Good soil is untrampled, rock-free, thorn-free soil. It's just soil. Good soil is a heart that's open and free to be as it was made to be and to receive the life-giving, generative seed of the gracious sower. It's open, it's spacious, it has depth, and it's available. I wonder this morning how many of us could describe our hearts that way. What I want you to hear about the good soil this morning is, again, I do not see anything in this holy text that uh, describes or indicates or explains or says that the good soil has worked to be this way. I don't see it. If you find it, let me know. The good soil is just soil. It's soil that's free. So our hearts were created by a good and beautiful God, which means they're good and they're beautiful, and they were made with the capacity to receive the word of God. But they've been impacted by our environments. They've been impacted by the choices we make. We've been impacted by the choices others have made that have affected us. And what Jesus is doing here is he's telling us what to look for. And we'll know when we've cleared the space in our heart to fully receive God's word when we, like the good soil described, are able to hear, to understand, and to bear fruit. In our lives, it's abundantly more than what was sown. When we can look at our lives and see the fruit of the Spirit coming to bear, when we look at our lives and see the transforming, liberating work of the Spirit in us, setting us free from temptation and sin and self-seeking and self-serving and all those attachments and things that we go back to and all the parts of us that God wants to heal, when we become open and loving and gracious and pursuers of peace, we can then be recognized and identified as good soil. It's good soil. 
But hear me clearly this morning, friends. This is not about striving. This is not about striving. This is about examination, identification, and formation that happens over time. Good seed and good soil still need time and a process to produce good fruit. This is about opening ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit to see the areas of our hearts and our lives that need God's help. We all need God's help. One of my favorite quotes on spiritual formation is this. It's by Dr. Mulholland in his great book, Invitation to Journey. There is nothing we can do. Let me say that part again. There is nothing we can do to transform ourselves into persons who love and serve as Jesus did, except make ourselves available for God to do that work of transforming grace in our lives. There's nothing we can do. But I would like to do something. I'm glad you asked. I'll give you something to do. This week, I would just invite you into an ancient practice. It's the practice of examine, St. Ignatius. Uh, it's well-worn. The church has been using it for a long time. And people typically practice the examine on a daily basis. Evening is good. Morning is good. Whatever is good for you. And it's a process of opening ourselves to God and sort of reviewing our day. Like, let me see the highlight reel of my day, Holy Spirit. And then usually you're asking God, like, where was I close to you? Where, was, where did you feel far from me? Kind of what are you inviting me into? That kind of thing. And so I want to invite you to, over the course of the week just to take a little bit of time each day and sit down, partner with the Holy Spirit, review your day, and ask these two questions. Just these two. Where did I experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? Where did I see those? Jot that down. I was really patient in traffic today. <laughs> I really loved it when everything didn't go my way. Let's jot down whatever the Holy Spirit brings to mind. And then the second question is like it, maybe the other side of the coin. Where were the fruits of the Spirit absent today? Where were the fruits of the Spirit absent today? Just partner with the Holy Spirit around those two questions. And over time, this will uh, just kind of filter your eyes, right? It'll just teach you how to look for these things happening in real time. And I want to say this, that this is a part of a process of just tending to our soil regularly. See, understanding the conditions of the soil of our heart is both a, a lifelong and a daily journey, Right? The reality for me, and probably for you, is that I have a bit of each of these kinds of soil in my heart and in my life. And the good news for all of us is that every part of you is welcome. And that God is not going to leave you alone to address the parts of you that will not bear good fruit. So God welcomes every kind of soil. He is generously throwing seed on every kind of soil. But God will not leave that soil alone. God desires and God makes possible the production of the fruit of the Spirit in each of our lives. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that's the evidence that God's Spirit lives in you. And this is good news. What does this mean? It means that the same Spirit 
that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And therefore, you are empowered to get in on the resurrecting work of that spirit to the dying things in you and the dying things around you. Resurrection is rushing into your story and rushing into the world around you wherever the Spirit of God is present. And that's good news. This past week, I got to bear witness to this reality in real time, this good fruit, I mean, this good seed, good soil, good, good fruit kind of thing. I had the privilege of serving at a camp uh, for families impacted by disability with my friends Jay and Catherine Wolf. They run an organization called Hope Heals, and they are resurrecting the story of a tragic event in their own life to dispel the myth that a, a pain-free life is a joy-free life, or a joy-free life is pain-free. One of the many things they do is host three weeks of camp in the summer for families impacted by disability at no cost to the campers. And so I got to serve as camp pastor alongside hundreds of volunteers who show up to be near to people in some of the hardest moments of their lives, to mothers and fathers and grandparents whose children will never speak, they'll never walk, they'll need constant care, to siblings, to caregivers, the people who shared with me things like, listen, I have to be in the best possible shape to outlive my child because I don't know who will care for them. And I watched these beautiful campers delight in their children. Delight in the hard parts of their story and bear witness to the reality that that wasn't the full story. I witnessed a group of people show up on Sunday to prepare for campers to arrive on Monday who open their hearts and open their hands to see the fruit of the kingdom bursting forth in our midst, to see hope, to see resurrection rush into the room. And it did over and over again. We shared tears and we shared laughter. We shared sorrow and we shared joy. We shared walks and meals. It was a holy and sacred space. And I was reminded in a tangible way that God is still God is still in the business of renewal and redemption and restoration, even when the story doesn't go the way we think it should. Perhaps especially when the story doesn't go how we think it should. These families that I went to serve reminded me it's not an outcome we depend on. It's a God we depend on who sows good seed on good soil to see beauty and goodness burst forth in the world. In this story, Jesus is inviting us to imagine, to become aware again or for the first time that God has not fallen asleep at the wheel. God's head is not buried in the sand. God is both fully aware of the pain and hardship in your life and around you and fully capable of bringing goodness in the midst of it. Jesus' life Death and resurrection and the kingdom ushered in by it reminds us that this story is going somewhere good, very good. So my prayer for me and my prayer for you, us, y'all, we be the type of people who are open to partnering with the Holy Spirit 
to examine the condition of our hearts. That in doing so, we would find the spaces that need to be more open. The things that we need the help of God to remove. And when we do that, that we will begin to bear fruit in the world 30, 60, and 100 times that which God has sown. The reality is that as dark as our world can feel, it is absolutely no match for the light of our God. Let's pray. God, by the power of your spirit, would you remind us all of how beloved we are. How good you've made us and what good you want to do in and through us. And would you give us the capacity to open ourselves to you so that you can do in us that which we cannot do on our own. We yield ourselves to you. We open ourselves to you. We say yes to the movement of your grace in and through our stories. It is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.